You pour your heart into your business, you give to your clients, and you take care of your family and your community. And you put off taking care of yourself. When you only focus on doing, you bottle up your emotions, which taxes your body and depletes your energy. You struggle to show up, to keep up, and to create results. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross. About 10 years ago, I burned out of the only career I thought I'd ever have. I got divorced, and I was crushed with chronic illness and pain. Now I have a business that I love, a husband I can grow with, and my health is on track. Through the power of coaching, I have come to recognize the resilience and power I carry within my soul. You have this resilience and power as well. Welcome to Inflow with Soul, where we create the space for playful restoration. Space to pause, to play, and to connect with your soul. Because when you take care of you, your results will take care of themselves. Welcome to another episode of In Flow with Soul. This is Coach Monica Edwards, and today I am the guest host, and I'm going to be interviewing one of my dear friends and incredible colleague, Dr. Mary Moduna Gross. Mary, welcome. I am so excited. I am so excited about this conversation as well. Thank you for setting aside, uh, time aside for this today. Um, I am excited to be on the other side of the mic. Yeah, me too. Me too. We've been looking forward to this. And when this releases, it's going to be on your birthday. So My happy birthday. birthday. Exactly. It's the perfect timing. I feel like <laughs> it, it's perfect. a rebirth all over again. Right on, right on. So Mary, I am just dying for your um, your people, your tribe to hear your story, to hear your journey of how you got to where you are today. Can you share some of that with us? I can. I would love to. It has been... I'm going to use the term spiritual boot camp. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, one of my guests just used that recently to describe her experience as an entrepreneur. And so I'm going to apply that whole definition of spiritual boot camp from the very beginning of my story. Um, so my story starts out when I was uh, in school, either both in elementary school and in high school. I was one of those kids who really didn't have to try that hard in school to get by. And so I didn't, and I just got by. But I also noticed that I had peers that struggled in school. And when I looked uh, to see what kind of support they were getting from the teachers, I felt like there was there was something lacking here. Like, they're not getting what they need. I'm, I'm getting more than I need, and I've got other, my peers that aren't getting what they need. And so I decided that when, you know, as in high school, who, who do I want to be when I grow up? I felt like I really wanted to help those classmates of mine and others like them who kind of felt marginalized, right? Who Can I felt stop like you they're for one second, Mary. Yeah. That's incredible. At such a young age, people in high school don't are not looking at how they can help others. That's incredible that your story started that young. Sorry to interrupt, yeah. but I'm blown away by that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh so it, it really aligned. So I see this problem, right? Um, what can I do to fill that gap? Who do I want to be? And I'm not sure where becoming a teacher really ever really started because I think it started before this. And so if I'm kind of thinking like, well, I, I'm going to be a teacher, what kind of teacher am I going to be? I want to be that teacher that includes everybody and there's nobody left around the fringes. Um, so I go into education and. Uh, 
I end up working with students who have a lot of social, emotional, behavioral kinds of challenges. So these are the kids that really trigger adults in a school setting. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, even, even their peers. So oftentimes those kids are, are really quickly and uh, severely restricted in their access to the school setting. So my job was to work with them to help these students regulate their emotions to the point where they could now function in a regular setting. Um, So while I was moving into this profession, I'm recognizing these are the kids that I really feel I resonate with and I want to do a a good service for them and for their families. So when it was time to decide what what I want to do my master's in, I decided to do community and mental health counseling. Because I thought that if I was going to, I knew that a lot of my students um, and their families were intersecting with that uh, world as well. And I wanted to be able to help them navigate that as much as I could. Um, so I got my master's degree in in counseling, and I also got what what now would probably be considered my first coaching certification. So this was like in the er, mid nineties. Um, I was uh, I studied with the William Glasser Institute and was certified as a choice theory reality therapy therapist. Wow. Um, and that model that I was taught through choice theory. <clears throat> I used in my classroom with my students. And this was really a way, again, to help uh, others, teach others how to regulate their emotions, how to know what, how to figure out what is it that I really want here? Um, What am I doing to get it? Is that working? Am I willing to try something different? And so those were the core questions that I used to work with my students. And in one case, I had moved to um, from Tennessee, where I had started this work, to now to Indiana, and I took over a classroom, an elementary school classroom, where all of the kids were uh, already pulled out of their regular ed classrooms. They were in a s- separate special education classroom, f- all with kids with behavioral disorders or challenges, right? And when I remember when I interviewed for this job, I walked into this room and Kids were everywhere. Adults were everywhere. It was chaos. Um, and that, that whole classroom had nothing but substitute teachers and paraprofessionals the entire time, for the entire year before I got there. So no wow. wonder there was total chaos. Absolutely. Um, so I come in for that first year. And after two years of working with these kids, all of them but one ended up back in their general education classroom setting. They were all able to function at a high level. Most of the students that I I worked with, although they had a lot of behavioral challenges, they were bright kids. In fact, they were too bright for the adults sometimes, right? Because they could outsmart them and that would really upset the adults. And, you know, that's a fun (laughs) skill to have is to be able to upset adults at will, right? At that age, especially. Especially. Um, So when I saw what could be done for students and, and in such an extreme conditions, I started to create this vision of we could do this in all of the classrooms. We could have entire schools where kids didn't feel like they were on the fringe. We could teach and create these these environments where everyone felt that they belonged and everyone's needs could be met. So I it's perfect time for me to move into leadership. Um, so I, I move into leadership and there was something about that change from teacher to leader that I lost and forgot everything I knew. 
And the, my first year as a leader, I probably could have been considered more of a dictator. Like mm-hmm. I was brutal. Like I, I don't, I don't know what happened to my mind. And I apologize to those teachers if they ever happen to be listening to this. Like I'm sorry, <laughs> that was a terrible year. <laughs> Interesting. In hindsight, we can see our previous oh. selves and how we grow and develop into who we are today. Yeah. It, it was brutal. Um, I, I don't know why I thought that, you know, they were just waiting for me to come tell them what they were doing wrong. <laughs> wow. Wow. And shockingly, that was not well received. <laughs> <laughs> right? So at the end of that year, um, my the assistant superintendent had talked to my director and said, you know, this isn't working out with Mary. We need to let her go. And the uh, director said, no, let me work with her another year. And, you know, if after another year, she's not where we need her to be, then we'll we'll let her go. And so I started working really closely with Gwen at that point. Um, It was a mentorship role, right? So I would go into her office probably every afternoon, if not most, at least most afternoons, and just talk about what did I do today? How did that go? How would I do it differently? And I grew tremendously. In fact, um, at the after three years of being in that district, now Gwen suddenly decides to retire. Oh, at the end of July, right? School starting up in August, end of July. Gwen says, "I'm retiring. I found my true life is in in uh, New Zealand, and I'm moving, and I'm moving into my retirement." And so I said to the superintendent, "Look, you know, I've been really, I've been working really closely with Gwen for the past three years. I know my start here was kind of rough, but if you need someone in the interim, um, I'd be happy to step in until you could find someone." And they're like, "Yeah, thanks, Mayor. <laughs> we got this." <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, and it, I took no offense to that. It was just, you know, I'm here, and if that's possible, I'd do it. Um, two weeks later, they come back. Are you still willing to fill in as interim? Uh, yes, as a matter of fact, I am. So that's how I, I got into the first directorship that I was responsible for. And I had five superintendents as a co-op. And because I was so working so closely with Gwen, like really, it did seem like a very smooth transition. And I wasn't starting anything new. It was just really just keeping things going um, right, right. with an eye, you know, with an eye to what is next, what what are the next things we need to focus on. And um, literally the day before, so this is the end of the year, the day before my next board meeting where I was going to be appointed the director, um, all four, well, four of my superintendents called me and said, well, gosh, you know, we've got this on the agenda, but nobody's really called you and said, do you really, do you still want to do this? And and to all four of them, yes, I love what I'm doing. I'd be honored to continue in this capacity. So I show up the next morning for this meeting, fully expecting that I'm going to be made this offer to be a director and a new superintendent had joined the group that morning. It was her first day on the job. It was her first meeting of her first day on the job. And when it came time to make the offer, and she was she was the superintendent in charge. Okay. And she just said, we're not making an offer today. I wow. lost my shit. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know how I they even, didn't even tell you that she, that was her first day or did they? Well, I knew it was her first day, right? Cause okay. she was a, a superintendent within my co-op and I knew she was the, in that, um, that districts, 
they were the home district. And so that superintendent kind of had say over, over everything. So, um, yeah, shocked me a lot and really took the wind out of my sails. I'm sure. Like, holy crap. Like that in that moment, I fell apart Yeah, in that moment. I fell apart. Yeah. It was such a shock. And so I thought, okay, well, I don't want to stay here. Like I can't stay here now. So I found another position. And at the time I was working on my doctorate program and I was coming up to the time when I was going to need to, the program I was in, it was a cohort where we would go down to um, Indiana state for a full day uh, take classes like from seven till six at night. Um, and, uh, I knew I wanted to be in a position where I wasn't the director at that point. Right. I wanted more of a middle management role so that my absence one day a week wouldn't be as detrimental. Right. So it was timing is everything. Right. And so it was the right time for me to move into this other position. I finished my doctoral program um, and then I moved over to Illinois. This is all in Indiana um, and continued then as a director in Indiana, excuse me, in Illinois. And so I'm in a, a couple of districts in Illinois and in every district that I was in, the, the task was really the same. Our special ed programs are not, um, we're, we're getting hit with regulation uh, violations and we're getting hit with, you know, kids aren't doing well enough. So my job was always to, uh, make changes to the special ed programs to align with regulations and to align with better outcomes for students. And I was passionate about this work. I was passionate about the work for the for the kids, for the families, and for the teachers, right? I mean, the, the school that I had, this dream that I have of the school wasn't just that kids felt safe and that they could be, you know, grow in those settings. I wanted that same thing for teachers. Absolutely. Um, and so it's, I was frustrated that I wasn't able to sell that vision to enough people uh, to make that change in a way that was smooth enough. So my superintendent um, called me in one afternoon and said, look, I, I don't know what to tell you. I wouldn't do anything different than you are, but the, what you're doing is not working. Um, it's causing too much chaos. It's causing too much conflict here. Um, so I don't know what you need to do differently, but you need to do something differently to create less change or excuse me, less chaos while you create this change. And I said, well, I don't know how to do that either. <laughs> so right. I went back to my desk and I'm, I'm like, again, I'm one of those moments where I don't know what else to do. I literally have done everything that I know to do. I've, I've got the degrees. I've got the, the colleagues. I'm asking for input and nobody can tell me what I can do differently. So in that moment, I what popped into my head was the Johari window. And this might be something that you're familiar with, like from Psych 101 class. Yes, yep. And it's basically, you know, uh, I think of quadrants and there's one quadrant. There's everything you, you know about you and everybody else knows it too, right? And then there's a yes. quadrant of things that um, you don't know about you and that nobody else knows either. Yeah. And what occurred to me in that moment, two things. One is that I must be contributing to these results in some way. I don't know how, but I must be contributing. And then this Johari window idea pops into my head. And so then my conclusion is, well, whatever's in this quadrant that I don't know, and clearly nobody else knows either because they can't help me with this, um, whatever is holding me back is in this quadrant. 
And the next thought I had was, and I literally said this out loud, God, I wish I had a coach. And that caught my attention, A, because I usually don't talk to myself out loud. It's usually all internal. And I didn't know coaching was a thing. So it was my voice, but I don't think it was, it, it was one of those divine intervention kinds of things, right? I love that. I Googled it. Oh my gosh, coaching is a thing. So what aligned so perfectly for me was going back to, right, my, my very beginning, I want to help people who just, they're, they feel like they're on the fringes. They're not getting what they want. They don't know how to get what they want. And through special education or even through a, like a mental health route, you have to tell people that they're broken in order for them to get services. And that never sat well with me. And so I never practiced as a counselor because I never wanted to go through that mental health diagnosing against the DSM-4 and all of that kind of thing. So here's coaching. I can help people from where they are, get them to where they want to go without ever having to tell them they're broken. Yeah. So I felt like, okay, here's, here's what I can do. Here's how I can be my best self and help others be their best self. So I sign up, I get the certification programs. I, re- I resigned from that position. And, I, and uh, in my mind, I left public education. Okay. So I have this doctorate in, in leadership. I now have my coaching certification. Oh, my goodness. Put it together. Leadership coach. Boom. I'm in business. I'm a leadership coach. <laughs> I knew nothing, nothing about how to do a business. I didn't even know where to start. And so for a year, I'm at first, I, I don't even know, I didn't even know enough to be concerned about it. Like, I didn't even know that I didn't have anything going on. You don't first. know what you don't know. Uh, right? You don't know what you don't know. And so then I started, well, okay, so I'm not getting any clients just by saying I'm a leadership coach. And, and I might add, I was really only just saying that to myself because I really wasn't talking to anybody else about right, it. Right, right. <laughs> it's the best kept secret. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Which is, by the way, how all of us coaches start out. Right. <laughs> it's our little secret. No one yeah, knows. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nothing's happening. <laughs> we can't figure out why. I don't know why. So then I started listening to other people. Like, okay, well, I this just saying this to myself isn't doing anything. So now I start listening to other people. And I have no way of knowing, A, what I need or want to begin with. And therefore, I have no way of evaluating what people are offering me. And so I just say yes to things randomly that they sold, you know, they had good sales pitch. And they convinced me that this is what I need. And maybe it is what I needed, but it just wasn't what I needed at that time or I didn't have all the right parts together. So at the end of a year, I'd spent a lot of money. I had a little bit of this. I had a little bit of that. And I had zero clients. So, you know, my husband and I were like, you know, we're not going to continue to do this forever. So I went back to corporate. And in this this go around, I I went back to schools, um, but now in a role of like a coach consultant um, to help schools that were identified under No Child Left Behind um, having chronically underperforming students. So for five years, I worked with uh, five high schools, four high schools, and in the Chicago area that were in this chronically underperforming list. And the work that I did with them was a combination of mindset work along with models and systems. Um, Those two things together is what I worked on with the school leadership teams. And I I love the work. I, I really 
I just, I really um, connected with the leadership teams, the, the whole mindset piece. I really felt like I got to lean into like the personal side of, of leadership um, along with, you know, the systems and those kinds of things. Um, and so at the end of four years, the schools were now all going to be reevaluated. The contract that my company had with the state had changed, where in the first iteration, if you were one of those schools that were identified and were eligible for services, you came to my company or you just declined the services. And in the next iteration, it, my company was one of many companies that you could choose to work with. Gotcha. So... At the end of these four years, the schools are getting reevaluated. And the company that I was working with, I think, just assumed that we would continue to work with our same clients. Um, They didn't expect that three out of my four high schools would no longer be eligible for services. They had made so much progress. Um, I was shocked that three of my four high schools that I was working with were no longer eligible for services. Um, The one high school that... remained in that lowest 5% was a school that chose not to work with me. They didn't have to, right? They were on my caseload and they just chose not to work with me. So for me, what this said is that combination of mindset and systems has a powerful impact on organizations and teams um, and yes. outcomes for the organization. I I felt like on top of the world, in in those schools, are, is their work done? No, by by all means, it's not done. But they had a really good start, and I was really proud of myself for having been a part of that journey to help them get to that place. You know, because in coaching, it's not you know sometimes in consulting, it's let's keep these clients as long as we can. In coaching, it's let me help you get up and going, get your systems, get your habits going, and then you don't need me anymore. Right? That's right, the goal yeah. for coaching. Um, so I, I met the goal three, these, these three high schools were no longer eligible. And so I get laid off and <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, Put yourself right out of a job, Mary. Good I job. Did, I know. I know. And so here's another one of those. What do I do now? Um, at that time, a colleague that I had gone to NLP training with had a work anniversary on LinkedIn. I just acknowledged it. And he came back with, are you ready to work with me now? And I thought, well, as a matter of fact, I am. I just, I just became available. <laughs> free, <Yes. laughs> was it a free agent? <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, I am a free agent as of th- this week. Um, so that's where then I, I was able to join a real estate company on their transformational coaching team. And the, co- the clients that I worked with were often described as those clients who knew what to do to build their business. They just were getting in their own way and not doing yes. the things that they knew they needed and even wanted to do. So, But even to do the mindset coaching, again, I had to learn those models and systems that this company uses for bu- building a business. Um, so I had to learn that in order to do the mindset work with my clients. So here's my opportunity now. I've just been given an opportunity to learn how to build a business. Uh, learn it by teaching it, right? Yes. Um, so once again, I was like, oh my gosh, I love models and systems. I love mindset work. Um, this is really phenomenal. I can't believe I get to do this. And it also felt like it was I was limited to real estate agents because if I wanted to work with another small business owner, let's say the natural path down the street, right? I can't take a real estate book that says, here's how you build your real estate business, take it to that natural path and say, just ignore all the references to real estate. This is these, this, the system is the same. 
Right, right. It is the same, but you can't do that, right? You can't no, package absolutely. it that way. So, um, so I started to just ask myself, like, wh- what else could I do, or what what other ways could I help business owners get access to these models and systems that they need? Because the other thing that I've realized as I was going working with these clients is that I wasn't the only one who didn't know how to build a business. Right. Remember no, that first does. year? <laughs> I, I assumed I was the only idiot who didn't know how to do it. And I'm real, not that anyone is an idiot for not knowing how to do it, but as you said, we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. And um, so I thought, okay, so there's going to be other people out here who also lo- have passion for the product or the service that they're delivering, but they just don't know how to get it there. They don't know how to build it. They don't know how to scale it. And that's, I love helping businesses do that because it's a way of, again, it's that. It, it, to me, a business is an extension of the owner, right? Yes. It's um, not only am I growing or not only is that business owner growing, but they're growing through the growth of their business. Yep. That's spiritual boot camp again. Yes. Right? And so one thing you're not saying, but you're saying, okay. uh, we read in between the lines, is life has a way of giving you all the experiences you need so you can have the impact on the world that you were created to have. Absolutely. Uh, and and that's what I love about going back to my story because I'm really, uh, up until probably two years ago, I struggled with the, my story because yeah. I saw just failure after failure. Yep. It's a total reframe. Yeah. A total reframe of those were the challenges that I, that I had to experience because I know my clients have experienced those same things. And that goes back to one of our core beliefs. There are no failures. There are only opportunities to learn. And if we look at failures, what the world defines as failures, and look at all this. Yes. I'm, yeah. I love that pivotal point. Yes. In your mind, right? Because that's a huge shift, the way we look huge, at it. Huge shift. And it changes everything. So when I saw myself, you know, burning out, or I often use the term burnout. Um, and, and burnout was my is the word that it was more comfortable with than just, I got pushed out. Cause that's what it felt like. Yeah. Um, what did you do for self-care and for, during this whole journey? I'm did so you bad. understand self-care? Not did at you? all. <laughs> yeah. I knew nothing about it. Um, what I did know though, was remember the, the Glasser work that I had started with, one of the premises of the reality therapy model is that A, we're all doing the best we can in the moment with mm-hmm. what we've got. So we're always doing the best we can. Um, and all of our behavior is intended to help us meet one or more of our basic needs. So that's what drives and motivates all of our actions. Say that again. I, I've never heard that one. All of our behavior is our attempt to meet one or more of our basic needs. Mm, So love and belonging, fun, freedom, power, worth and recognition. So everything we do is to try to experience these needs being met. Yes. So on the one hand, and the other part is that that I was 100% responsible for my experiences, right? It, this is an internally driven experience. It's not externally driven. So for instance, like words like he makes me so mad or she makes me so happy, right? At the literal truth, that's not possible. 
right? People can do things, but then we interpret that behavior as either something that we like or something that we don't like. So it doesn't matter what they're doing. It matters what our story is. So I knew these things, and but I didn't quite know what to do with it. I was good at doing this with kids, but I realized I wasn't doing it so well with myself. Um, and in the midst of all of this, I have a major flare-up of a chronic health condition. I have psoriasis. Oh. And... I wasn't listening to my body at all. And I had already, I knew that I had the condition like from high school, but I, I didn't need any medication to manage it. But now it was getting to a point where my, my entire face would just out of the blue swell up. My eyes would swell shut. Um, blisters would show up on my arms and on my chest. It was, oh, it was vicious. And, and I, I still didn't want to, go the medical route. Like I didn't want to take those biologics and with all of the side effects. Right. Um, but I didn't know what other options there were. So for a year, I just kind of suffered through the, the flare ups and um, hoped that a solution would somehow find its way to me. And it, it, after a year of, of hoping, I found a functional medicine doctor who had a doctorate not only in immunology, but also in metaphysics. So here was a doctor. Oh, nice combination. Exactly. I, have, have you ever had a doctor who says, Do you, I think you, a little energy work here would, would really help you out. Yeah. Would you be interested? They should be, but that's awesome. Yeah. I that blew your mind. What a great find. He, it was amazing. And I rem- I'll never forget the first meeting that we had with him. I'm sitting there, my face is all puffed up and my, uh, you know, I've got blisters all over and that's the external, the internal, I'm completely depressed. I just, I, f- I'm in my mid forties and I'm like, oh my God, it like, is this the rest of my life? Is this yeah. what I'm, I'm in for? And he says to me, you're not broke. You're just fine. This is chronic stress. Get to the bottom of your chronic stress, and this is going to go away. <laughs> wow! 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 Okay, so we do, here's a big lesson, right? We don't take care of ourselves. Yeah, we will pay the price. We will. The body will ultimately. Yeah, it, it can't. Right, it can't um, continue to. I'm going to say, take the abuse that we give it. Yeah. Well, stress is dis. Ease in the body. Say that real fast. Yeah. Yeah. It's dis-ease in the body. Yeah. Wow, Mary. Okay. So I ended up turning to alternative therapies for uh, acupuncture is one of my major therapies uh, to help manage these symptoms. And so um, that whole, I value the services that these alternative practitioners offer and provide and um, so now as a business coach, I am targeting those um, <clears throat> health and wellness businesses because I value the services that they have and I want to help make those services available to more people. Uh, so that's my personal connection to that. I love that. I'm hearing from day one, wanting to impact I'm hearing the word chaos, right, along the journey. And I can't help but see that book behind ah, me, Mary. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> From chaos to clarity. Yes. It's all part of the story, right? Even the stress and the disease yes. um, and the opportunities are failing our way forward. 
What a beautiful story of impact and growth and perseverance and and the building blocks along the way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I knew I I was going to be in education. And then when I was getting my undergrad, I knew I was going to get my doctorate. I didn't know in what. And I knew that I was going to be a consultant or coach after that. So... it was just one of those knowings. Like it wasn't something that I necessarily said, oh, you know, here's the kind of consultant I'm going to be. It was just, this is what's ahead for me. It, yeah, it, absolutely. It, I don't know. It's weird. It, it wasn't, it didn't feel like a choice. It felt like it was just, that's, that's the path. And yeah. so what, but it's interesting to tell the story and to even look back on the story because when, when you're in the story, it's hard to see context. It's hard to see how is this a development of where I've been? How is this setting me up for where I'm coming next or where I'm going next? Yeah. And it just feels shitty sometimes yeah, well, to be in the middle of it. you can't see that when you're in the midst of the ship storm, right? Exactly. It's flying all over the place. It is. But it does become clear, right, in the end. Even it does. if we can't see it when they're in the middle of the chaos. That is beautiful. So that is one strategy that I I still use. Um, once I kind of got, once I accepted my story, then I started to be able to see the possibility of in the moment. So let's let's say in the last couple of weeks, right? I've been stressed about getting new things set up, and in the midst of that mess. I, I, I'm saying to myself, okay, well, here's another learning point that I'm sure I'm going to be able to use somewhere down the line. It really sucks to be here right now. It's really painful to be here right now. And so I, what I did was I looked back at where have I been? How mm-hmm. is this connected to where I've been? What could this possibly be setting me up for? And even if I can't imagine what it is setting me up for because it's so foggy, right? Just having that trust that this is setting me up for something bigger gives yes. me the confidence, I guess, just to stay in the stay in that storm. Yeah, stay in the storm. It isn't going to last forever, uh, and and when I come out of this, I'm going to be stronger than I was on the other side of it. Amen. So, so much truth in that. So much truth. Weathering the storms, right? And I have come to find, Mary, what you also what you just said without saying is that if we just trust, trust the process, the process of life, the process of the pain, all of those things. In those worst times, I think it's a sign that you're about to have a major breakthrough. I have seen that over and over again in my life, in my client's life. I'm seeing it in your life, in your story. Do you know how many times I have just said to myself in the last couple of weeks, holy crap, that breakthrough must be right around the corner. Yes. <laughs> because <laughs> this storm is wild. <laughs> <laughs> It is coming. Wow. So that brings us full circle. Um, I want to hear more about you personally. And I want to hear about what are you doing with your clients now? So we know how you got here. Yes. Can you share what you do for your clients now? So what I'm working, uh, what I'm offering now is actually the first thing I want to uh, announce is a new partnership with a company, a leadership coaching company called Lucidly. 
Nice. Um, Congratulations. I, thank you. Uh, again, interesting to s- just see how this showed up in my story, right? I, I kind of uh, wondered what I was going to be able to do with my leadership knowledge and skills because that is a passion for me. I mean, leadership is everything from the yes. individual to the organization. <clears throat> and so when this opportunity came up, I was thrilled to explore it. And as I was exploring it, sometimes you just know, right? You just know that things are a good match. And um, this is a really strong match. This is an organization that I both have a lot to contribute to and have a lot to learn from. Um, Beautiful. So yeah, so with Lucidly, we offer um, leadership coaching to how do we like medium to small professional service firms? So this could be okay. like a law firm, accounting firm, IT firm, those kinds of things, right? So we provide that leadership uh, instruction and coaching so that, you know, what is the challenge of all leaders, right? We have these objectives that we want to achieve. Um, and we have people that we need to do the work because we can't achieve it by ourselves, right? We can't just do it all by ourselves. So the leader's job is to how do I how do I find and then then keep people who are committed to the same organizational objectives that uh, of let me rephrase that that are committed to the organizational objectives, right? And yes. also want to personally grow. Right. It's not just about the organization. It is about how are they personally growing. And so that leader's role is to keep an eye on the organization's outcomes and objectives and on the hearts and minds of the people that are actually doing that work so that we can develop these individuals to naturally meet the, the objectives of the organization. But they're also growing in their own right. Wow. So that's so true. And personal development is huge. And if you, if you even loop that back to your story, mm-hmm. you're not the same person you were when you were in that first role. Exactly. Where you apologize to the teachers, right? right? That's all about personal development and growth. Exactly. Right. So again, just like I didn't know how to build a business, just because you're put into a leadership role doesn't mean you automatically know and understand leaders. And I'm guessing I don't know if there's any statistics out there on this, but the leaders that we have had that we probably would model our own leadership behaviors after probably weren't that good of a leaders to begin with. Right. Absolutely. Right? Um, and if you're lucky enough to have had a leader that helped you personally grow and, and be committed to the organization, then learn everything you can from them about what they, what they do, how they do it. And not only what they do, but how they think, who are they? Who is it that they, how do they want to show up in this role? Because it's how they want to show up that drives how, what they actually do. Because the yes. doing can be different. The doing is, yeah. is really just a small part of the puzzle. It's really who are we as we show up? Who was I? I was hyper defensive. I thought I knew better than everybody else, right? And so my doing was to let everybody know that I was better than they were and that here's all of their flaws, right? Yes, absolutely. Versus so much growth showing up. And a lot of that is what's going on in between here, right? Exactly. This um, guides how we show up. Exactly. And and so many of us have this illusion that leadership has to be that, you know, the, the beast on the hill and, and drive with power and force. 
And instead, there's a way to connect with people. You connect with people and you bring them along. There is, you don't need power or force. If that mission is compelling enough, if their personal role in this is compelling enough, there's no need to push anybody. So really, in your capacity um, in the leadership realm is to, um, I don't know if transform is the right word, but transform leaders, good leaders into great leaders who people want to follow, even if they didn't have to. Exactly. (sighs) Exactly. And then just think about the ease, right? Think about the ease. We, we so often, again, feel like we have to show up to work with this defensive uh, position where I've, I've got to force something to happen. Whereas when we can learn these leadership skills, um, we can learn just to kind of sit back and get into that flow and yes. learn to, if, if kind of feels like, uh, like a jazz um, ensemble, right? There, okay. it, innovation, you're, you're, you're making it up as you go along if you're in the flow, right? Yes. But, but a jazz ensemble isn't going to work if one person comes in and says, this is it, right? You all have to just play right. off of me. I'm going to be louder than the rest of you. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to make <laughs> right. it about me and, and this is my show. And instead, it's, it's our show. And how are we all getting to where we want to go? Yeah, beautiful. And that all starts with that mindset piece. It starts with the, the leader themselves has to have that capacity to, of, of self-awareness to recognize when do I feel like I'm starting to feel like I have to force something here or I have to make something happen versus what is happening already here that I can get in alignment with and help facilitate and move forward. Yeah, I love that, Mary. Love that. Is there anything else that you want to share about your partnership with Lucidly before we start talking about your your private practice? Nope. I, I think that really covers the Lucidly side. I'm really yeah, thrilled congratulations. to- Congratulations. So right. exciting. Yeah. I can see the energy. What a great partnership. Definitely. Definitely. Excellent. So tell me about your private practice. So you've gone through yes. all of this. Yes. You didn't know how to start a business, how to build one. We know that when we just say we're a coach and keep it to ourselves, <laughs> that it's not effective. It's not work. Right. <laughs> when you're leaving your friends and family don't know what you do right. and we're quiet about it. Seriously. So tell me more about your private practice. So in my private practice, um, again, I work with small business owners um, and my marketing is towards those uh, small business owners in health and wellness yep. um, okay. because that is a passion for me. I, I Again, yeah. my own experience, um, I want to, this is a way that I can contribute, right? I can help make those services more available by helping those businesses be more successful. Yes. So what I do with my uh, private practice is... I help my clients increase their profits. So profitability is like the center of the conversation. So what I do with a new client is I'll sit down with them um, and do an assessment of their business. And what I promise them is that I can find $10,000 in hidden loss or uh, lost revenue in your business now. And so we go through this assessment and um, we, cu- we talk about usually about three different um, areas of their business in that conversation. And just explore those areas. If we had these pieces put into place, what impact do you think that would have on your business? And then it's easy to see an outline then. Here are the three areas. Here's the impact that that's going to have on my business. 
And here are the strategies now to, to fill this gap. And I have an entire library. So let's say that we're talking about lead gen. We need to, ge- we need to generate more leads. The people in the door. We need to get more people in the door. We need to get in front of more people. So how do we do that? Um, oftentimes, you know, we, we limit ourselves to two or three. And I would say that as a practice, we shouldn't go beyond two or three. But what happens though is I think new, um, small business owners pick two or three and then just think that those are the only two or three that they'll ever be able to do in their entire life. I'm going to make phone calls. I'm going to have a drip campaign and I'm going to have events. Right. There's nothing wrong with any of those. But if you, if none of those align with with who you are, it's going to yes. be a fight to, to do any of that. So although these might be effective strategies, they may not be effective for you. So in this library of resources, I have 19 different ways that we can do lead generation step by step. Here's how you do it. Here's the scripts for doing it. And any other supportive materials that you might need to get started. Like if, if we're talking about ads, how do we, how do we write copy for that? You know, one of the things that I really have found, even for myself, but as I talk to other small business owners, is we use the term market dominating position. So what is it that makes your business different than the, the ABC down the street? Yes. And oftentimes it's really small business owners have a hard time articulating what that is. Um, And I have found that when we get clear on who we're serving, then we get to know what are the problems that they're facing? What are their hot button issues that they really want resolved? Yes. So who are we serving? What is the problem? And what are the benefits? What is it that they're really looking for? On the other side of this problem, what is it that they really want? And to start our conversation, any conversation, any of our our prints or any of our materials should highlight, here's the problem, right? Not making enough profits for your business. What you really want is you want to have free time, right? You got into, you wanted to be a small business owner in part probably because you wanted some flexibility with your time, right? And what happens with small business owners is suddenly they have less time than they ever had in their life. Um, So they want these profits and they want that the more time for their family and, and to live. And so that's the result that I can get my clients to. We can get your business to a point where you're generating enough income that you have the systems in place that automate anything that can be automated so it runs smoothly so that you can take time off. You have to be able to take time off. Going back to that self-care piece, we have to build in time off so that we can rest, step away from what we're doing so that when we come back to it, we can see it with some fresh eyes. Because, you know, entrepreneurship, I always say, is a fine line between freedom and working yourself into the grace. Exactly. And it's coaches like you that help them maneuver that, right? Exactly. So involving the self-care, get the income up and get the time you spend with your family up so the time you're spending alone in your business is down. Exactly. And and so this platform that I, I have to share with my clients then has all of the resources because sometimes, you know, one of the things that we talk about in transformational coaching is that um, if you're not getting the results you want, is it because you don't have the will or the skill? Yep. All right. Um, the will is can get really deep, right? Get into what is the yeah, real story. Yes. But the skill is an easy one. Like, do I know how to do this or do I not? 
but what I don't know is what I don't know. So having a platform like this is exactly what I wish that I would have had the first year that I was trying to start my business. Because what that would have done for me, in fact, I had this conversation with a client this week. Um, He was asking about, well, we're talking about, uh, I've been social media. And he goes, well, does this mean that I'm going to have to start doing, you know, posting on social media and whatever? And I said, well, you know, that's one strategy. That is one strategy. And we would have to dig in to see how, what's your return on investment for that one strategy. But, but to your point though, is do you have to do this? No, not necessarily. You can still hire someone to do this for you. But once you now know what the objective of social media marketing is, what are the metrics that you should be looking for to know whether or not this is working? Now you have a context from which to make decisions on whether or not, you know, Joe Blow down the streets offer of, hey, I'll do your social media for you. What are they going to, what are they promising me? I had another client who said, um, you know, talking about a conversation like this, well, their idea of results were not my idea of results. Oh, yeah. Right. And so even though you may not and you shouldn't have to do all of the things that your business needs, you do need to know what is the objective? What is the purpose for this activity? What does this do for my business? What is it the the metrics that I should be looking at so that I can evaluate whether or not this particular service provider is going to take me where I want my business to go? So I love these systems, Mary. There's this is what I'm hearing is you even systems to determine <clears throat> not only what your strategies are going to be, but to determine if you're going to leverage it out. Exactly. If they're going to get you what you want. And by the way, I, I've seen your library. You shared that with me. It is power packed. Had I had that in my own business 12 years ago, 13 years ago, when I got started in a different direction. Oh my goodness. It's like the roadmap. It is. You know, it's like a GPS, a GPS in your car. You punch in the address where you want to go. And it's the same in this library. Literally. Everything is in there. It, it, literally. And, you know, when I first saw the, the library, I was a little overwhelmed, right? There's, oh my God, there's so much. And, I, and, and my mind always goes to, oh my gosh, that means I have to know all of this by next week, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. We so, do tend to do that, don't we? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so through this assessment that I do with prospects then is we look at these three areas. What impact would that have? And if it's a big enough impact, then it ends up as a priority. And then we have our priorities and we map out our year. Here's, here's how long we're going to work on each one of these priorities. Now go back to the library for the resources. So you don't have to use everything in the library. You say lead generation. Okay, I'm going to go to the library now on lead generation. Right, And we're going to yeah. talk about those strategies. Everything you need to know about how to deliver those strategies is in there. So we have a roadmap, we have the resource kit for how to do it or how to leverage it out, if that's appropriate. Yeah. Um, so that, again, we're working as efficiently and as, as effectively as possible to get that return on investment and maximize our um, profit margins. So powerful, so powerful. And you also talk about the pillars of your business. Yes, Tell me about those. We, well, we touched on them a little bit. We, we sure have, right? So, and and I'm going to tell a story about myself regarding this. So it was 
embarrassingly not that long ago, I was at a uh, one of these business conferences, and I stopped to talk to one of the vendors. And I don't know where my head was at the at that time, but we're having this conversation, and um, I was telling him that I was a business coach, and and he goes, "Well, what are your credentials?" And this was my response. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so much like, like literally I, I was, I felt like I was in a cartoon character in my head, like smacking the back of my head, say something, Mary. Like, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you should have asked them, do you have 45 minutes? I, right. Because right. I can tell you my credentials, but it's a long story. It, it, right. Right. <laughs> so, so again, that was one of those really awkward moments where afterwards I had to say to myself, what are my credentials? What makes me, what gives me the authority to say that I can help someone build their business? Yeah. And um, what, and I'm a models and systems person, right? So, because I need to be able to focus. So what are those pillars that all small business owners need in order to have a successful business? And so I was, my husband and I take long walks um, to the lake. We live in Chicago. And so we walk out to the lakefront on the weekends. And so I was mulling this over on on the walk that weekend. And so I was thinking, well, you know, a a business owner, they need to have a really strong mindset. They need to know what they want and how they're going to get it. Um, They need models and systems because you can't do everything all the time. You need to be efficient. Um, and you need to be able to lead others, right? Got to lead yourself, and then you have to lead others. And and I'm as I'm walking, I'm like, wow, this is really good stuff. This is brilliant. And then I come back to the house, and I'm looking at my logo, and what does it say? Mindset, profit, and leadership. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have full circle, Mary. Full circle, full circle. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to know you you, you got to get stuck. Right and have to re-put things back together for it to to click again. So and be okay with being stuck. Yes, and yes. be okay with those events. You know <laughs> where you have the cartoon character and right. the <laughs> say something. Right, because there's always beautiful things on the other side. Yeah. of all of that. Yes. Yeah. So that those are the three areas when I'm sitting down with a client. Those are the three areas that we're going to focus on. What is your mindset? And your mindset um, goes back to what do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about what it is that you're trying to achieve? What do you believe about your worthiness of achieving this? Yeah. Um, and so we really, we have to go back, not to focusing on what you're doing necessarily, but what are the stories that you're telling yourself? That's where the yeah. mindset work. Um, a lot of people might be more familiar with... Um, Emotional intelligence, right? So emotional intelligence teaches us that the first thing that we need to do is learn to observe ourselves. And we need to observe how we react or respond to events that happen outside of ourselves. And what is the story that we're telling ourselves that creates that experience, right? So somebody flips me off on the highway, right? What's the story that I'm telling myself about that? Do I get triggered and upset because they have somehow, you know insulted me? Or do I just say, wow, they must be having a really bad day and move on, right? right? Yeah. That's mindset because that mindset then, that story that I'm living from is going to generate the emotions, which is going to generate then my reactions. So if I feel insulted, if my story is I'm insulted, I'm probably going to flip the guy off back, right? right? But if I'm thinking, wow, this poor guy is having a really rough day, I'm going to, I'm just going to pull back 
I'm going to let this yep, guy send him some good vibes. Give give him room. Give him all the room he needs. Yep. Right? And they, he goes on with his way. I go on with my day. And there's no hangover from it. I love that you address that because in my mind as a coach as well, that we can we can teach people, right? The right systems, the right models, the right leverage. And if these five inches are not right, um, they'll stand in their way. And and I and I love that you shared your story in vulnerability, Mary, because so many people that we come across are afraid to admit they've got these beliefs, these little gremlins in the back of their head that says, you can't do this. You don't deserve it. You're not enough. You're not enough. You don't have anything to offer. That has been in my history. It's been in your history. But then we just keep, when we do that transformational work, it like plucks it out of there and frees them up to really show up as the person they were created to be so their full journey can be complete. Like exactly. Yours. Exactly. I love I love how you describe, you know, that we can we can change those stories. We can change yes. the stories that we're telling ourselves. Um we just have to first become aware of what are we telling ourselves. That it's there. Yes. Awareness is step number 1. And I think the other part is for me again, um I thought I was the only one who felt like I wasn't enough. I thought I was the only one who felt like maybe I didn't deserve this, right? No, we all have bits of that. We all have parts of those stories within us. It just depends on how much of that story are we living with. Yeah, absolutely. And my my path of transformation has been to just to continue to whittle away at those limiting stories that I've created for myself, and that unless and until I chose to look at them, I would still be living by that. Absolutely. And I almost see them sometimes as layers. Definitely. Right? Because we're always doing our work. Um, and the minute we we clear out, we feel good. Life happens, right? It does. Um, and, and we have moments where if we don't address it, that new story will begin to to grow and exactly. not in the direction we want it. So it's got, it's something I look at mindset and transformational work as something. It's a journey. Yes. Right. It's, it's not a one and done. It's because life still, unless you're going to go live under a rock. Right. After you clear it all out. Right. Yeah. You're going to have experiences and people say things and do things in life events. Um. Yeah, I, I've seen recently. I think I think it showed up in a book I've been reading. I think it showed up. Uh, it showed up in a conversation I was having with a client, and it showed up in some social media posts. Um, all about this idea that enlightenment is not a destination, right? Mm. It, it's a process, and so we we clear a layer, we break through. Oh my gosh, this feels so wonderful. Like, oh my, this is, this is who I really am, right? And then life happens again, and then we feel crappy again because something else now has triggered another layer in us. Yes. We break through that layer. Oh my gosh, I feel good again, right? And, and sometimes I think individuals who, again, who don't see the whole story, right? They're just seeing the, the part that they're in. That could be seen as just, I, I continue to fail over and over again, right? I thought I, I won, and then bad things happened again. And I experienced pain again. And then I thought I won again, but then I experienced pain again. It's not, nobody's failing. That's growth. Yes. That That is growth. It's the next that challenge. Yeah. yeah. And to accept that and look at it that way is a whole reframe and Completely. so powerful, right? Yeah. When we start to ask ourselves those questions through those hard times, what am I making this mean? 
Yes. Um, right. What? Yeah. That's that's good stuff, Mary. Well, and and I'd like to come come back to the self care because I I think this is probably where I lean into self care the most. Yes. Um, okay. <clears throat> so I'm one of the things that I really try to focus on or to be. The one, the, who I want to be is someone who is always observing myself and mm-hmm. how am I responding to what is happening? Am I owning what's my response or am I making somebody else responsible for how I'm feeling? Right. Um, and in that experience, it's not uncommon then to see how I've acted or seen how I've shown up and, and been ashamed, right? Or disappointed, like, oh, that's, that's not who I've wanted to be. So for me, self-care is just loving that part of me who was doing the best she can in, in that moment. Yeah. Um, you know, again, going back to Glasser's bit, we're always always doing the best we can with what we've got. Absolutely. Um, so for me, self-care really is about self-forgiveness, grace, compassion, any of those mm-hmm. kinds of words. Um, while I'm in the midst, especially when I'm in the midst of a challenge. So true. So true. It's all part of the all part of the package. Yeah. Right. I love that, Mary. Oh my goodness. So, what what else do you do for self care? Let's. Dive, I want to hear a little bit more about the self care. So, you do acupuncture. You do the natural stuff as well. That, yeah. And that's why you are serving Correct. those people. Correct. Um, and then part of self care is the is the mindset work and loving on all the different parts of yourself and accepting it and, and giving grace instead of judging. Yes. When we judge ourselves for what we see is what we don't like, there's no movement. Exactly. There, yeah. Any other components to your self-care? I would say that probably the, the activity that I, I'm most committed to is in the morning, I usually give myself an hour of just yeah. time by myself before I okay. get, get to work. Um, so in that time, I'll do a variety of things. Um, okay. Right now, we have a, a VR headset, and there's a an app called Trip that oh, is a nice. meditation app. And so there's all of these amazing sceneries, and uh, the meditations are awesome. So that's that's my meditation these days. Um, I also like to listen to um, inspirational kinds of books. Uh, I've got on Audible, like some of my favorites, I'll just keep coming back to over and over and over again. Um, so I do those things. And one thing that I'm I'm wanting to do more of, especially in the evenings, um, is embroidery. So oh, I've really? just decided, like I, I used I to do- I didn't a- even know that there. <laughs> <laughs> it's new. It's, it's, this is literally new from this summer. Um, I had an opportunity to do some sewing and, uh, you know, my growing up, I was in 4-H and had sewing projects for 4-H and I hated it. I hated it because I was in the house during the summer, you know, trying to, to sew together these outfits or dresses or blouses or whatever I was making. And, and if it wasn't perfect, I had to tear it out and put it back together and, there was nothing about it that I liked, but the summer that I was doing another um, sewing project with my family, and I'm kind of you know grumbling about the sewing and where my sewing start had been, and I really had to look at what I was doing. I was like, I really kind of like the sewing part. 
Like it's that itself, isn't it? It was being stuck in the house. It was having to fix all of my errors all the time, right? That's what I didn't like about the sewing, but I actually like it. So I have a beginner sewing kit that I've been playing around with. Um, So sometimes I'll pull that out after dinner and and, uh, have the TV on while I'm doing something. Yeah, I absolutely kind of mindless. Yeah, I really want your your um, your followers to even get to know you more, and I want to thank you for your vulnerability because you've really that's where the magic is at. Mm-hmm. Um, when we as business owners, when our tribe knows that, because um, they look up to us, but it makes it okay to not be perfect, yeah. right? Yeah, but. You create, you're such a a wonderful soul and being. You've got this energy about you that is safe, right? And fun, because we've had some laughs, Mary. Yes. We have had some belly bursting yes. <laughs> belly laughs together. Um, and you know, what else could we tell your fans about you that they wouldn't know? Oh my goodness. We got well, embroidery. I do want to come back to that, but I want to come, I want to make a comment on the fun bit. Because, so the listeners don't know, but Monica and I um, met each other through this real estate company. And so we were coaching together and we were going through the training part together. And in the training part, we had to do role plays. And so I I really didn't know Monica. Monica didn't know me. I'm doing a role play for her because that's what we do for one another. And in the role play, Monica, you asked me if you could do anything. What was it? If money was not an object, what would you be doing? And I said, well, I'd be having fun. And the answer popped out of my head quicker than I had a chance to even evaluate it before I said it. And it was, again, one of those times where I heard myself say it. I would be having fun. Well, why am I not having fun now? Right. So I, I come back to that memory often when I feel like I'm not having fun. Where's the fun in this? And yeah. start looking for, let's let's shift our mindset from, oh my God, this is horrible and I'm behind or whatever I'm telling myself to look at what I get to do. Look at what I get to do every single day, who I get to do it with, who I get to do it for, what the results we get to do. This is fun. And you know what? And I love that you say that, Mary, and it is true. And I love that you say we get to. Yeah. Because we do what what we do, we get to do it and it fills our energy bucket and we have to be aware of the fun factor. Yeah. Right. One of my own coaches told me at one of my points when I was burnt out and overwhelmed and we all go through it. Right. And that's those are the lessons we have to learn. Right. So we don't do that anymore is, well, where is your, you know, you said you bring the fun factor all the time, Monica, where is it? And so I think we have to intentionally bring the fun factor into our lives and into our sessions with our clients. If I feel personally, if we don't have them laughing yeah. at some point, right, because they they need to relieve that stress and we need to remind them what brings, what means fun to them. Yeah. Yeah. Not exactly. only for ourselves, but for them, it's huge. Yeah. We have su- such a strong work ethic. Yes. Right, that I feel like I have to be doing something productive all the time, or I'm not using my time wisely. Yeah, um, fun. It, it, yeah, we the, we could do a whole conversation on fun, but yeah. I do want to thank you for asking that question, for having that uh, that that strong memory that that it's an anchor for me now. Really coming wow, back that's to beautiful. Where's the well, need to bring in some fun? So, um, 
That being said, I tend to be a very a homebody kind of a person. Like with this whole pandemic lockdown, although I was able to work, you know, it didn't interrupt my work very much because I was already working from home. And right, right. Um, but I also realized that I was a little too comfortable just staying in my house all the mm. time. And so when things started opening up, I really, again, had that opportunity to look back and say, yeah, that was good. I'm glad I was comfortable with it at the time, but I don't ever want to be that comfortable being that isolated yeah. anymore. So um, Marco and I started walking out to the uh, lakefront um, on Saturday and Sunday mornings. It's about a three-mile walk one way. So it's a hefty little walk. Uh, yes, we, we're both early risers, so that's... Uh, something about me that uh, my clients know, like after eight o'clock at night, I'm probably not going to be responding to anything, not because I'm not checking, but because I'm sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to catch me four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning is probably going to be the best time to catch me. Um, But that's, that's usually when I'm getting up. And so Marco and I both have that tendency to wake up early. So we get to take this walk to the lakefront really while the rest of the city is sleeping. So it's very quiet. And most of the time, the weather is really beautiful. Um, And I've loved just watching the early spring flowers come up because we started this in March. And so we started to see the crocuses come up and then the daffodils and then the tulips and then the trees were blooming. And you know, we got to see the baby uh, ducks or or geese on the on the lake, and the it, it was. It's just that is an experience that just fills me up every single weekend. Just oh, being in nature. You know, we live in a, an urban area, um, and so this is a way to really. Re- we walk to the lakefront where there's a um, public zoo and and a little pond. A little pond, I guess they call it. Uh, where a lot of wildlife lives and and it grows wild. So all the different flowers, the wild flowers that grow up and when they bloom and, you know, the birds that are pecking at their seeds. And I had one of those red-winged blackbirds. Yeah. Uh, Marco and I were doing uh, a little selfie uh, with a, there was a nice little waterfall in the back. And coming up to the the waterfall where we were going to take the selfie, I saw this bird just kind of off to the side. And so we're there, we're taking the the picture and something just said to me, just keep the camera up there. And Marco stepped out of, out of the camera and I kept it up there. And this bird literally sat on my head. Are you serious? And I got a picture of it. Yes. Oh, Mary, I've got to yes. check that out. Yes. It's amazing. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask my guys if we can find a way to get that picture embedded in here somewhere. It's an amazing photo. And it, it, you know, it's just one of those experiences, again, of being connected to nature. I saw this bird. It was almost like we kind of had this unspoken deal that right. we made as I walked by and that I just waited for it when... Marco stepped out and, and, you know, on live, on Apple phones, you have the live features. So on this live picture, you can see Marco moving out of frame and the, the bird coming right on my head. What a trip. Yeah. I love that story, (laughs) Mary. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. 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 So being out outside is, I love it. Um, I grew up on a farm. And so that's where a lot of my work ethic comes from. You know, I'm a farmer's yes. daughter. We, I've been working since I was a kid. 
and had responsibilities and had, you know, things that I needed to do. And um, I love being outside. I do love to work, but I'm learning to to have some fun in yeah, there as well absolutely. as we talked about. I love those. All your stories are so incredible. It paints a beautiful picture of who you are. Thanks. Right? I'm, Thank I'm liking who I am too. All of that. Well, I love who you are personally. <laughs> and everyone who meets you does because Aww. of it's that magnetic energy and the space that you create. And, and people remember how you make them feel, right? Um, and, and you, as you move them along, make them feel quite incredible. Um, just being in your presence. So thank you for being you, Mary. Thank you. And even that quote, right? That's a Michael, uh, my Angelou, right? People don't yeah. remember. They just remember how they you made them feel. And I was a principal of a preschool building and someone anonymously sent me that quote. Wow. Yeah. And I, so I actually, when I received it, I thought, huh, I wonder how I made this person feel, Is right? That good or bad? <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know. I hope this meant that they they felt good. But again, that experience brings that's an anchor for me that, that comes back to how am I creating that space? Because I can't make you feel any particular way, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I can create a space that's non-judgmental. I can Absolutely. create a space where I listen. And and I think that's that's something about coaching. That unless you've been with a coach, you may not understand the difference in listening. Yeah. Um, because it, most of the time when we're listening to one another, we're listening for what story are they telling and what story do I have that's similar to their story. So as soon as they're done talking, when they take a breath, I'm going to jump in with my story. Here's my experience with that. Yeah. And in a coaching listening it's all about you're listening f- the client. You're listening for what how are they making meaning of this scenario? And I'm not asking questions relative to me. I'm asking questions of that client to go deeper into what their own thoughts are, into their own story. Mm-hmm. So that it's that kind of listening takes you deeper into who you are. And I think that's kind of in a non-judgmental space, that's creates the context for change. And asking them questions that nobody ever asks. Yeah. Right. And right. holding up that mirror because people don't do that. Exactly. Um, and, and and I've seen you do that time after time after time. I love I what I get to do. All. Yeah. And I love being able to work, you know, with partners like you. And we've got another friend, Jeff Adler, who is an amazing coach as amazing. well. Um, and... I'm I'm really blessed. I am blessed to have such strong uh, people around me. And again, as I've I'm going through my transformation, I am literally realizing over and over again that I always have what I need right in front of me. I may not see it, I may not be aware yes. of it, I may not be taking advantage of it, but I know that it's there. Absolutely, I love that, Mary. Powerful. Is there anything else before we wrap up that I've not touched on that you want to share? Oh, wow. We've covered a lot of territory. Yeah, and it's been so incredible. Even I I learned so much because we've never actually sat down and I'm just in awe of your story. Oh, thank um, you. And it just reconfirms what I already believe is that everything is a stepping stone, right? The good, the bad, the ugly, the shit yep. storms, 
all exactly. of it to get us to it's the lessons um, to get us to where we need to be in life um, to fulfill our, our purpose. And you're in the sweet spot. And I just could not be more blessed and honored than to be you know, with you and in, in watching all of this unfold. That's fabulous, Mary. Thank, thank you. you. And and thank you for doing this interview with me today. Um, I knew you know me well enough to, you know, help me bring out those stories uh, that I may not have shared otherwise. Absolutely. So I really appreciate you as well. But before we go, I do want to say um, that I am offering 40, free 45-minute um, assessments, as I had that described. That was my next question. If someone wants to get in touch yeah, with you. Exactly. Perfect. And, and so doing these 45-minute um, assessments, I'll find you that $10,000 in hidden revenue and give you a roadmap of how to fill that gap. Um, I'm also offering uh, training, uh, financial training for entrepreneurs. Now, this is another area. I thought I was the only one who didn't know anything about a profit and loss statement or money. I mean, as a director of special education, I was running a, you know, $6 million budget, but that's different than running a profit and loss statement and how much income am I getting and what's my return on investment yes. and what's my profit margin. That's a whole nother way of looking at numbers. And, and again, I thought I was the only one who hesitated from that, but I'm finding there's a lot, of course, you know, regardless of what your area of expertise is, it's probably not business development. Right. Yep. Even if you have a master's degree or a bachelor's degree in business, they don't teach you necessarily how to build a business. They teach you yep. fundamentals of business, but not Absolutely. how to do it. Um, so financial training, uh, it's one of those things that I think every entrepreneur needs to have need to understand your profit and loss statement. Let's make that accessible for you. Let's break down the mystery so that now you can start using that to make decisions for your business. That's going to show you the gaps. It's going to show you what your business needs. And again, like I take going back to that first year, I didn't know what I needed. So I'm buying this, I'm buying that, and none of it's adding up. So when we can make decisions from our profit and loss statement, now we know where the gaps are. We know what we need to spend on, and we can do that in a very intentional manner, not just a willy-nilly, let's yes. just find a shiny object and drop it in and see not what happens. Accident, right? Being yeah. very purposeful, intentional. I love that. Exactly. And by the way, everyone, Mary did that 45-minute assessment with me. Mind-blowing. It's Mind-blowing. Um, it's, it's such an eye-opening process. And you're right. You know, if you think about it, acupuncturists, massage therapists, CBD people who sell that, um, uh, any type of entrepreneur Mm-hmm. Is we we know our specialty, we know our craft, right? We right. know how to coach, we know how to do acupuncture. Exactly. No one said, "Here's how to build the business." Right. Um, and so your services are just so needed and so powerful. Thank you for showing up and being you and and contributing. And your story from day one was having impact. Yeah. When you were in, in even in grade school, it sounded like yeah you, you saw a need and. And, and look at that journey. I am so blessed and honored to be oh, a witness to this journey today, Mary. Yeah. So how do they reach out to you for that 45-minute assessment? Yeah. So um, you can go to my website, um, mmgcoaching.com. Um, you can email me directly, mary at mmgcoaching.com. And um, let me know that you want an assessment and we'll get it scheduled. And, Perfect. you know, that's it's a roadmap. Um I, I can't think of, of any way to 
structure a business with more intention and focus than this kind of assessment and then the roadmap and then following that roadmap with timelines and to have the resources to know how to do it. Um, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's an incredible package. Anyone who works with you is going to be blessed and um, and watching their journeys, I know, just fills your heart with joy. It does. It does. Yeah, because you get to do it, Mary. I do. Well, thank you for your time today. It's truly been an honor and a blessing to be a witness to this whole thing. I'm just so grateful. To oh, you. I am so grateful to you as well and, and grateful to have found you uh, along this journey. Ditto. It was not on accident. That right? was intentional. The, I mean, that was part of the plan, right? Exactly. And we had no idea in the beginning. Right. So let's just take a moment. I just want to put it out into the universe. Like, this is where I am today. Who knows where you and I will be six months from now, 12 months from now, 24 months from now. It's it's just continuing to, I, for me, I think the I, way I get to that outcome that I can't even imagine at this point by yeah. just showing up, stop fighting things that that are fighting and just go with the flow with things that are flowing and understand, like we were saying before we started this recording today, like we scheduled this some time ago and, yeah. you know, and one thing after another just seemed to postpone it or, or delay it. And th that could have been a story of, you know, gosh, why aren't we getting this done? Right. But the, literally, the timing is perfect because because this is going to be able to come out on my birthday. And, on and, your and, birthday! And I, and I think that's just, I don't know, there's, it feels symbolic to me. And, and I'm really proud yeah. to, to have to do that. So, again, it's looking ahead. I don't know where exactly where I'm going to be. I know it's going to be amazing. And that the only thing I have to do to get there is just to continue to stay in the flow. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't wait. I'm so, I, I've heard a podcast about um, uh, be expectant of good things to come, like an expectant mother. Yes. You know, she's going to have that baby. It's right. coming, right? right. <laughs> and so for you and I, I am expecting some good, powerful, yummy, incredible things uh, that are coming down the pipe. I'm so excited. And before we close, since this is coming out on your birthday, Mary, yes, I want but... everyone to write to Mary at mary at mmg.com <laughs> and wish her a happy birthday when you ask oh my God. for that free 45 minute assessment, which is mind blowing, friends. Mind blowing. Oh, thank you, Monica. I I really, I treasure you so much. Same, same sister. Hi, this is Mary. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you are coming away feeling maybe a little inspired, maybe a little more informed, or maybe just rested. Most of all, I hope you're coming away feeling empowered. If you do, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. But most importantly, please pass along this sense of empowerment to your friends and to your networks. Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you.